Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There's just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing. Uh, it's to talk about big industry events and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, I have had several people asking. Uh, the messages have been coming thick and fast in the last couple of weeks. Uh, many of you have reached out and said, Happy Christmas uh, in advance. Happy holidays. But with those, there's the question of where you been? Uh, because we hit Halloween. We hit the cast dice. We hit the 200th episode. We hit 50th episode of the Warlord Games podcast. We hit the cast dice birthday at Halloween. And then, I, and then it went to static. It has been a long year. And it's been a good year. I, I, I have had people saying, are you okay? And I, and I really appreciate that because honestly, in the last couple of years at, you know, my old job and, you know, different points in time during COVID lockdowns and whatever else, I may not have been the most cheerful little uh, chap at times behind closed doors with, uh, with everything, just to be completely honest. Um, but honestly, I'm happy. Life is good. Things are going really well. I love my new school. Everything's going great. My wife and I are really enjoying our new home. We have a new dog. Everything is going wonderfully, but I'm exhausted. So the report writing, going on school camp, doing everything else, uh, just getting my students to the finish line has been a hard year. And so I needed to take a little break because for the first time in over 10 years of podcasting, I literally ran out of things to say. And... That's saying something. And uh, the guy who is joining me today knows exactly what that is uh, for me to not have something to say because I have a lot to say. If I'm going to come back from a hiatus, I'm going to come back from a break. If I'm going to come back strong, I'm going to come back with the big daddy of bolt action in Australia. I am going to come back with the big kahuna of uh, tournament organizers. I am going to come back with a good friend. Peter West, welcome back to Cast Eyes. How you doing, brother? I'm doing very well. Thanks, Brad. And blown away again by your intro. Thank you. <laughs> Please. Mate, now you have been on a million times, uh, both to talk about the army lists on your wonderful website, Bolt Alt Action, um, which is B Bolt, obviously, as we all know, Alt A L T Action, and it's dot com or is it dot net? Dot com. Dot com boltaltaction.com to talk about different army lists and all the wonderful resources that can be found there. You've come on and we've talked about uh, miniatures for a variety of minor powers. You've come on, we've talked about Fulshermager. You've come on and we've talked about, man, I think everything in the kitchen sink when it comes to bolt action over the years. But one of the things that we have not had you on to do is to talk about Australia's big show as far as bolt action events go, the big kahuna, as I just said, of bolt action events in Australia has always been CanCon. And for years, you were the tournament organizer for that. And in recent years, it's been run by Drew, uh, from Tristan and Hari from the Bacon Burgers, and all those other guys who did it in the years where you took time off to actually enjoy life and play. Um, they did a wonderful job. But you're back. And with you going back to CanCon to run this stuff, it's only natural that we have you on to talk about Australia's biggest bolt action event. And it's also kind of something I want to get into since I'm actually going to go. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, and I'm not alone. Some of the old Ghost Army crew are coming out of the woodwork. Some of you eagle eyed friends will have seen on the bolt action Australia page, the patch, the big man himself. He's probably painted six armies since we started this podcast, but he's coming and he'll be taking one of those armies that he's painted or some other thing he'll paint the night before and it'll win best painted because he's that guy. Um, but Peter, I'm excited to have you back as T.O. Just, just because 
I loved going to the events that you have run in the past. And it's just nice to know that you're going to be there and I'm going to be up playing. Why did you come out of retirement, my friend? Uh, well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, uh, look, after the great job that um, the guys did last year, running a huge mm. event, they got a bit burnt out. Um, so Harry and Tristan, and mm -hmm. um, they decided they weren't going to do back to back, which is mm -hmm. I perfectly understand. Um, there was a bit of a gap in the market. And after a couple of years off, I'd actually started to feel like uh, I was missing the whole show. Um, so I put my hand up and said, yep, let's do it again. And I'm very happy that uh, a number of the old crowd have decided to come out of semi-retirement and join me for the uh, event. Man, yes. And uh, we will be doing another whole episode on the list that we're taking. But this episode is to talk about the event pack, uh, what to expect at uh, CanCon this year. And uh, Peter, if you don't mind, uh, I think you and I might also respond to some of the other podcasts that have been talking in recent times, our buddies at HMG uh, and our good buddies at Tabletop Tommies have been talking about the topic, is bolt action getting stale? And I think that might be a good follow-on from our discussion of CanCon and sort of the Australian meta, so to speak. I hate that word, but you know what I'm saying. Where are we in Australian bolt action at the moment? And is it getting stale? Do you mind if we uh, dig into that? No, I think it sounds great. Um, it's a great discussion to have ahead of CanCon because um, I certainly hope that uh, CanCon is not going to be stale. Um, in fact, I, I don't think it will be. I mean, I've only no, seen no. about 15 lists so far. Um, but, you know, after reflecting on the, and listening to and reflecting on the podcast from the HMGS guys and from Tabletop Tommies, I mean, I agree with a lot of what they've said. Mm -hmm. But certainly my experience, even over the last 12 months, I think I've played in four events. Um and they are all just so varied. And I don't know whether that's specifically the scene I'm playing in or the Australian scene, but in terms of the size, I've played everything from 750 up through 1250 and a couple of points in between um, and very different packs at each event. So I certainly have not felt that I'm rinsing and repeating with either my army or with the events that I'm going to in the, uh, you know, in Australia at the moment. Now, I just listened to the Tabletop Tommy episode today, uh, and not in preparation of this episode, just because I was Christmas shopping in the city, and I uh, wanted to hear those boys' dulcet tones. And I, again, uh, like you say, totally agree with a ton of their points. And for an episode that they started with saying, boy, this might be the grim one, it was remarkably positive. And um, again, totally agreed with a lot of the, what they were saying. But one of the points that they made was perhaps the bit that's getting stale is, and I am paraphrasing and maybe putting a little bit of my own spin on this, but they were saying that because there are different events that have different packs, they encourage people to list and to play in different ways, that's keeping the game strong. Whereas if you are just playing one type of game, uh, and I'm, I think their example was like the quote unquote competitive scene where events tend to use similar play packs and allow similar types of lists and have similar point values. You start to see um, really efficient units and really strong units used again and again and again. They were talking about, for example, the British, uh, tons of people running British lists. Uh, because, you know, hashtag Gurkhas, hashtag Stuart Tanks. Um, and, you know, that being a really powerful combination that you see in tons of different events, but not in those like Megatron, for example, the Megatron 3000 event run by our buddy Alistair, or at the Welsh Open, because they use different types of listing. And that's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as I say, the packs we play with in Australia seem to be quite varied i don't know if there's a particular reason for that i guess um as we have long commented on this podcast australian tos seem to like to meddle a bit more mm -hmm. um so our packs have probably got a lot more 
um, conditions and FAQs and um, limits in them. Um, but interestingly enough, we don't seem to have standardized what those are. So we, we meddle a lot, but we all seem to meddle slightly differently. So um, with CanCon, I've come back and meddled in my own specific kind of way, but that's not exactly the same as the last couple of events that people have played in Australia. So I think it's um, given a scene that has quite different events. Um, and I just think that keeps things fresh. Um, and I think the other thing too is that certainly for me, part of the freshness of bolt action is that um, comes from the army listing, the armies you're choosing to take. That I've, we very rarely see people playing the same army over and over again, even in a competitive way. Mm -hmm. um, people seem to quite mix things up, and I'm seeing that again in the CanCon list. People are sending me that armies I saw people take at um, Moab. They're not planning on taking the CanCon, so. Um, and that's certainly what I find gives the game a freshness. I mean, uh, the army I've been playing a lot recently is British Home Guard, and the next army I'm building is Luftwaffe Field Division. So, you know, very different play styles, but mm -hmm. more interestingly, very different types of figures and army to build up. So the other interesting thing about CanCon, as we've already said, is that a number of the, uh, if I can put it this way, old guard are coming back. And it's interesting to see the sorts of lists that they're coming back with because... Um, they're a bit old school in some senses, but they've obviously uh, done some work to update them. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting mix of lists, I think, at CanCon this year. And I think that's one of the things that keeps any bolt action event fresh, that people are bringing not the same list, that there's a great variety of lists and you're just seeing different things as you're playing your opponents. That's right. And we also have some really exciting up and coming and established players that have only really been playing in bolt action events, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, if not less than, I mean, Dave Hunsdale is a perfect example in Melbourne. Uh, the man knows how to play some games and he's just picked up bolt action within the last year or so. And he is, he doesn't like to say he's very good, but he's an excellent gamer. So, and then we look at what Aaron Russell, who's won the last two CanCons. I think he's only been playing bolt action for what, two and a half years, um, which seems like a long time, but it is relatively new. And if you think about, you know, the game having what a, an 11 year lifespan at this point. And so we have the, these fresh ideas. Um, I've gotten several regular emails from Aaron um, as he's been playtesting missions for the bolt action Alliance uh, play pack. And it's funny when you see some of the feedback from, people who've been playing since version one and some, you know, players who've been playing, you know, more aggressively and more recently, or, you know, from different play experiences, the feedback that you can get is very different. And I can only imagine that having not played in big Australian events for a while, that for you as the TO, the amount of feedback that you would get and requests that you would get when putting together a player pack uh, would be significant. Um, has that been your experience coming back? Look, I've got lots of feedback. And as I say, fortunately this year, I actually played in quite a few bolt action events um, up and down um, New South Wales, ACT. So I'd had lots of exposure to different ideas and different ways of doing things. So I've tried to meld the old and the new in this pack and mm -hmm. um, tried to give perhaps more freedom than I used to in the past in some respects, but also, I guess, more specifically targeting some things which I, I still thought then and still think now are broken. Um, not in a big B sense. They can always be managed, but I just think that they, they do need to be managed in a competitive environment if everyone is going to have fun. So it was a lot of fun putting together this pack and thinking about how things have changed since I last put together a pack, which is... I think almost four years ago. Um, so a lot has changed. And as you say, a whole new crowd of people have come up um, in Australian bolt action since then and with different ideas and different ways of doing things. So I'll be interested to see how the event goes. And it's great. One of the things about bringing the old guard is I think this will be sort of one of the first events where we're going to see the old and the new come together in one, one big event for the first time. And I'll be very interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, exactly. The cultural clash. 
it is interesting um, to think about some of the lists that I know that Patch and I are putting together, for example, for this event. Uh, and I don't want to give anything away. Um, but we are both taking, for example, very different approaches to the same army, but from different theaters. And both of our lists are very heavily historically themed. Um, and having spoken to a couple of other players who are putting lists together that are more tuned and less historical, there is a, a fair spread in what people are going to be bringing. And as you say, I think that's going to make for a really interesting experience on the tabletop. Um, and I look, I think my little, my little historical engine that could will do fine. Um, but, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see because a lot of the people who I hear are um, more worried about the rules and less worried about history, for example, are gearing towards Soviets. Um, at least that's apparently been the case at the last couple events. Um, and it will be interesting to see if that still holds true for CanCon, which traditionally people do tend to bring out newer armies for as the sort of premier event. Are you seeing any trends like that? I know you said you've only seen, what, about a third of the field so far, or not yeah. even a quarter of the field. Yeah, probably more like a quarter of the field at the moment. Yeah. But um, you look, just people have run ideas by me, and mm -hmm. um, we've got a very wide variety of lists. And um, I, you know, going back to your point earlier about yours and Patch's armies, I think that they are, they're not, part of the modern meta but i think they'll surprise some people because I, I i don't know whether it's wisdom of the ages or something but i i think you're going to be bringing both of you are bringing very interesting combinations which we haven't seen in the australian scene at least in the last couple of events i've been mm -hmm. to um so you know not giving anything away i think some people may be a bit surprised uh by what you're doing with your bolt action army but by the same token like some of the people from who've won the recent events have completely you know changed up their list retuned it doing it in a different kind of way so mm -hmm. it's great to see that you know even a list you, they may have won with at the last event they're not just going well I'll take the same thing again and do the same thing again they change it up and bringing something different which um for those of us who go to the events is always fun that you're not even if you're playing the same person again it's not the same army you're having a different experience at each event that's right. And it keeps you as the gamer, you know, not stale, it keeps things fresh because by constantly tweaking and constantly innovating, you're not just pulling the same army out and having the same experiences with it, particularly if you're making, as you said, significant changes that really do change how your army works on the tabletop. Also, of course, mission selection makes a big difference, um, which is something that I love to talk about on the show. And you have, and we'll get to this in a second, you have a really nice spread of missions from a variety of places. Some people will know, and you have to have that with big events. You have to have, to get people through games quickly and efficiently, you need to have some rulebook missions. But you also have some others from other places, some of which some people have maybe not played before. So it'll give people an opportunity to test their mettle against some new types of lists, new types of players, and new scenarios to do it. So yeah, a lot of new experience there. And that always uh, you know, gets the old, uh, the gray cells going, so to speak. So I think we have a lot going for us to keep the game from getting stale in this country. Anything else you want to add to that, Pete? Uh no, but I think you hit on an important point that, um, you know, while the sort of, I guess, the, the official bolt action um, core rules, some people may think are going a bit stale, whether you think that or not. I'd just say that outside the sort of official rules, there's a lot of people doing really interesting stuff. I mean, you are leading the charge when you drop those new missions this year, which have been taken up, I've seen across the community. And people are still using the old missions you did as well. So that's a whole level of variety. Um, and there's other people, um, you know, coming up with uh, unofficial lists for mm -hmm. armies that you don't see otherwise where there's minis for them. So uh, shout out to the May 40 miniatures who've just done a K&IL range and um, 
people have done unofficial lists for those. So I look forward to seeing them in events. So, you know, whether or not Vault Action releases a version three um, and when that happens, I mean, it obviously will, but when it happens, that's great. And I'm, I'll be the first in line to buy my copy, but mm -hmm. don't, um, don't discount the fact there are lots of people doing interesting stuff with the current edition. And if you're just prepared to veer off the um, straight and narrow, there's plenty of interesting stuff so you can do with Bolt Action. Exactly. And just because the internet says you have to take one type of list, boys and girls, you don't have to take that type of list. You really don't. There's more than one way to skin a cat in Bolt Action. And um, I highly recommend, uh, folks, if they are feeling like things are looking a little stale, change up your list. Try taking a heavy tank if you only take the efficient stuff. Try mixing up your national rules. Try doing something a little different. But try to maybe veer off from a couple of those tried and true, wicked efficient units that everyone seems to be talking about. And you know, try doing something else. See what happens. Uh, yeah, I think you might surprise yourself. Yeah, that's what I did anyway from the... Uh, when I was I, when I took the jump from hyper competitive to trying something a little different, um, I went down some weird rabbit holes, and I think uh, I'm a much better player for it today, even more so than when I was playing competitively. And I think uh, just vary your experiences and have some fun, man. And uh, I assure you, the the ocean is deep. Uh, just go for a swim. Even when uh, so, one of the most recent interesting podcasts I've listened to is I think it was the Juggernauts' last one or the one before where they talked about taking tigers, Hungarian tigers, to an mm -hmm. event. Now they had a competitive angle to that, but like it's really fun to hear about tigers being played competitively. They've they're trying mm -hmm. something new and different. So it's we I think we are not quite at peak style yet. I think I think uh, we can hold out for a little while before Bolt Action version three drops. One thing that we can look forward to while we are waiting is, of course, Australia's big show, CanCon 2024, which is the 26th and 27th of January 2024 at the CanCon Game Convention at the Epic Exhibition Park in Canberra. It is five games, 1,000 points. Of course, you have to buy your tickets through the Canberra Game Society, as always. And the armies for this are any generic Infantry platoon can have up to two platoons, or you can only have one platoon if you use a theater selector. No tank platoons, no Korean campaign book units. Ethiopian, Danish, and Bulgarian lists from boltaltaction.com can be used. Special characters and cameramen cannot be used. And we are using the FAQ errata from the 1st of January, 2023. All army lists are due by the 14th of January of this year. And if you have any questions, please email Pete West. We are running, as you said, five games over two days. Why five games? Why not six? And why a thousand points? Why the platoons? I have all the questions, Pete. Hit me. Uh, so a thousand points is a bit old school. I have not played a thousand points any time in recent living memory. Everyone is doing something interesting with the points. They're either going under or over. So I just thought I'll go old school and we'll just go back to a thousand points. Um, and it's been interesting to see how people deal with that. I don't think people have had to squeeze themselves into a thousand point list for a while. So um, I, th I think there's been a little bit of squealing about how that's done. Um, uh, five games, I usually find it's as, probably about as many as a human being can take in uh, one day, um, particularly given you want to give people enough time to at least grab some lunch and maybe buy something. Um, so I try not to pack out every second of the day. Um, and I, I find five games gives a good spread of wins and losses and points. And I've never had a situation where we've come anywhere near a tie that I've had to worry about how we break it. So... I find it's a good format. It's a format essentially that I've used for six CanCons now. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it works. And um, coming back from a time, I didn't want to do anything too radical uh, lest I break it. Bolt Action is also a mentally taxing game in a good way. It is you have to think about the game as you are playing it. And I have found that at the end of six games i'm dead so as someone who's taking a plane back to melbourne i appreciate five games thank you very much sir also i can get home on the on that second day 
and uh, I get to see my wife and my dog, and it'll be lovely and sleep in my own bed. Uh, so yes, five games appreciated. Now the five missions for this, we are running meeting engagement, uh, uh, of course, out of the rule book, key positions out of the rule book. Uh, we are running supply drop from the most recent bolt action Alliance mission pack, the 2023 pack. Um, we are running penetrating strike. Is that from the juggernaut pack? Uh, it's from, I, one of the juggernauts, um, I believe, is the author of it, but it's from the pack for the uh, international, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but the international bolt action competition that they run in the UK. Nice. And then the old classic sectors. Um, why those missions? Uh, you always start out with a simple one that everyone can just drop their stuff and start playing and everyone knows. Mm -hmm. um, key positions... It's just one I like, and I, I tend to uh, find that it it's one that help works for almost any army. It gives almost every army an, a good opportunity, so it helps balance out any sort of difference in army types that may be um, uh, playing against each other. Supply drop, um, as people probably know, I was a big fan of Kitty Hawk Down and used to play that all the time. And I have a stack of 30 plane models in my garage. <laughs> um, but it uh, does can deliver very dramatic swings if the plane mm -hmm. comes in um, oddly, uh, if I can put it that way. And yes. I find supply drop, um, having played it a couple of times this year, uh, gives that same sort of fun effect without... Um, perhaps the swinginess that uh, Kitty Hawk Down does. Mm -hmm. Penetrating Strike uh, just looked really interesting. I've heard the guys on Juggernaut talk about it, um, and so I thought I'd give it a go and, again, um, finish with Sectors, one that everyone knows will be able to, at the end of the day, where their brain is fried, will just be able to put down their armies and give it a go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, for each one of those missions, you, of course, have a winner, you have a loser, and you have draw. Um, and winners get 15 tournament points, draws get 10, and losses get 5. But then each game, there's a possibility of getting 5 additional points. 1 point for killing the highest-ranked enemy officer, 1 for keeping your highest-ranked uh, officer alive, 1 for killing the highest-cost enemy unit, one for keeping your highest cost unit alive, and one for having an infantry unit, not vehicles, within 12 of an opponent's table edge. Um, I know those are mostly classic uh, additional points to help break up and break up the pack a little bit score-wise. Um, did you mix things up? What are your thoughts about adding those to the missions? Look, I, I didn't mix things up this time around. I thought about it a fair bit because I've heard lots of good ideas over the last 12 months about um, dif different objectives people have added into their games. And I think that some of them, I, and I've played as well, and they make the game a little more dynamic. But I know CanCon is going to be a big event. Like, um, we haven't talked about numbers yet, but I'm I'm happy to say that we've got 61 people registered already and registrations mm -hmm. haven't closed yet. So... That's 30 tables. Um, if you do anything too tricky, you've got to explain it to 30 tables. Yeah. Um, and you've got to make sure people are getting the scoring right. So I must admit, I was a little conservative and thought, uh, we'll keep it simple. That way, uh, it will just make the scoring a bit simpler for everybody playing. And again, I've used this system before and over five games, I've never had a problem with it producing a draw. They're tried and true. I think a lot of those came from Anthony from the old ghost army podcast days. And he really did put a lot of thought into those. And as he's pointed out on different podcasts over the years, they work well. So it's unsurprising that you are using them. CanCon occasionally in other countries, people get a little titchy because uh, we sometimes do a little something with the rules to try and make things a little bit more fair. The one that I know people got all, upset about in uh in europe was when we said that at cancon was a panzer fours don't get tiger fear so here is this year's list no preliminary bombardment will happen at this event now that's a big one pete why you and i have been over this ground on this podcast on more than one occasion yes we have 
Look, I, and I, I absolutely respect people who say it should be in. Um, I think it, uh, you know, it can make for a fun game and it can, you know, it encourages people to think about their list and how they play it because I was listening to, I think it was the Juggernaut saying that they leave stuff off the table when there's a preliminary bombardment because that's the, how you manage it. And mm -hmm. no problem with that at all, but it's just the the 2 to 5% of times where it just comes in and wrecks someone's army and basically the game is decided before it starts. And maybe you can argue that is just the way bolt action happens, but um, it's just a bit too much for me. And so I have for some time been um, experimenting with either deleting um, preliminary bombardment or if one side gets it, both sides automatically get it. But for this event, again, large, keep it simple. Uh, I've just eliminated preliminary bombardment. Now, you also have attacker defender national characteristics can always be used regardless of whether the scenario designates an attacker or defender. Um, that's just to give, for example, the Italians always have the option to get their barricades. We have no optional rules, so no warplanes. The turret jam rules will not be used, which, you know, most people <clears throat> forget about all the time. Anyway, there are no naval observers, alpha rung groups. There's no shirts and squads. There are no artillery observer, super heavy. There's no mic target. There are no Gurkha paratroopers. How are people going to win in this game? We have no canister rounds no siege guns, and no armored trains. There's a maximum of one artillery, air, or bog word per army. There is a maximum of one multi-launcher and one flamethrower, man-packed or vehicle per platoon. And there is a max of two cavalry or two IGA spearmen units per army. Sorry, two cavalry and two IGA spearmen. Let me not get that you know, linking word wrong. Only one national character characteristic per army. Armies must use the characteristic attached to the most units. Any other national units are considered to have no national characteristics. Commonwealth players may only choose one of their two national characteristics from the Western Desert book. And Tiger Fear rule will be used, but Tiger Fear does not apply to a Panzer IV. And there are two additional rule changes. A unit that is selected at full strength and has at least nine men, uh, if that option is available, can take a squad LMG at no additional cost. And infantry MMGs automatically inf inflict one pin per unit that is declared to valid targets within range, plus an additional pin is applied if they then inflict a hit. A unit may only suffer an automatic pin once per turn. So you can't just pile it up on people. Now, Pete, that's a hell of a list. So do you want to talk about some of those things? Yeah, sure. Um, well, look, I spent uh, a lot of time running Vault Action events now. This will be, uh, I think, my 12th event of at least 20 plus people and more than half of those have been 50 plus people. So I only say that not not as any sort of a special qualif qualification of how good I am, but just I have a bit of experience and this is what I think makes it for a good and reasonably balanced bolt action event. And other people will have different views and no problem with that at all. And as I was alluding to earlier, actually, the more I, the more I play in bolt action, the more I'm happy to see people interpret things differently and try things differently. And the common thread to almost all of those changes is that I think they do something to either um, rein something in or, well, or boost something up to make it just a little more interesting to play, a little more balanced and hopefully interesting to play the event. I think that ties back to the very first question that you have in the FAQs and something that we've talked about a lot in the CanCon prep over the last couple of years when we've been talking about how are people preparing and that is what type of event is CanCon? Is it a win-at-all-costs event? Is it a competitive event? Is it a narrative event? Is it something else? You are the TO. What do you expect from CanCon 2024? Um, 
so as you pointed out, I've put it right there in the pack so that everyone um, knows what my expectations are. And the FAQ is, what type of tournament is this? And I've said, we will moderate WAC lists, but this is a competitive event. New players shouldn't be deterred and will be welcome. So basically, I'm saying I expect this to be a competitive event. I expect lists will be tough. Um, I expect people to play hard. Um, but I am going to try and level the playing field so that um, there is uh, a degree of level playing field, no matter how tough or how hard your list is and how hard you're playing, that um, everyone has an equal opportunity when it comes to the game on the day. So, again, what I think is whack and what other people think is whack um, will, will always be a point of... Um, contention, but at the end mm -hmm. of the day, given the lists I've seen and the experiences I've had running these events in Australia, I think people have a pretty good idea of what those words mean, at least in for CanCon. And I, I haven't seen anything lists so far that have caused me any concerns, and um, I don't expect to see any lists that are going to cause me any concerns. And to jump off of what you just said, you do talk later in the pack at length about expected behaviour. Now, you do say that there is no sportsmanship scoring for this event, but you do go on and you are very clear that even though this is an event where people are putting their best foot forward, so to speak, and are trying to win using lists that can be pointy at times, your expectation is that they're going to have fun and they're at least going to be polite and nice about it. Am I paraphrasing? Because there's there's a lengthy etiquette and sportsmanship section in the pack. And it really does clearly lay out for players. This is an event where people are expected to come and have a good time. You are not there to curb stomp somebody else. You are there to play a game of bolt action where you're both trying to win, but you're also both trying to have fun. Am I paraphrasing this right? No, I think that's perfect expression of what I was trying to say. Um, and it's not, it's about the fact that every place that people play bolt action um, across Australia and or even hopefully maybe someone's going from internationally play things slightly differently. They might have a different etiquette about how, you know, dice bags are placed mm -hmm. and dealt with. They might have a different etiquette about, um, you know, in gap player interaction. So it's, I find it with big events like this, with people coming from all over the place, it's just best to say, look, this is what the expectations for this event are. Um, and, you know, uh, follow along these expectations and everyone's going to have a great time. And I, I don't want anyone to feel that they didn't know what they were getting themselves into or get themselves um, uh, in a situation where would be fine at home but was in some way seen as um, uh, not okay at CanCon. So it's just really a way of saying, look, big event, lots of people, best I set out the expectations up front not because I particularly think that there's a whole bunch of Yahoo players out there who are going to throw um, tanks at people when they when they don't get the sixes they need. It's just a exactly. way of ensuring that everyone knows what the event is going to be like. And uh, it should be said that this is a Warlord-sponsored event, um, and there are certain expectations of what we can expect when that is the case. Warlord is very generous with their prize support and with you know, limited edition dice and miniatures and trophies and prizes, but they also have, a, you know, some expectation that certain niceties are, uh, are, are carried out, especially for the big events. Can you talk to us a little bit about the sponsorship for CanCon? Because uh, it's always um, a big deal. Yeah, well, as you say, um, our great friends at Warlord through um, our even just as great friends at War and Peace Games are sponsoring the event again um, this year. Uh, so we'll have some great prizes from Warlord as usual. Um, but additionally, we've got an, a couple of other sponsors as well. But just before I, I go through the sponsors, I just mentioned we've got a slightly different philosophy to prizes this year. Um, it, what I would say is that really our intention is we're going to look at front-loading the prizes, if I can put it that way, in the form of a player's pack that everyone will get, um, rather than, um, I guess, back-loading the prizes in terms of uh, 
having a prize for everyone at the end of the end of the event. So we're going to just do things a little bit differently this year, which um, I think we'll see what people think of the approach. But I I, I like the idea, and um, uh, it's a uh, an idea from one of my fellow TOs, uh, Drew Baxter. Um, and that's really great. I think it's, we'll see how it flies, but I think it's a great way to approach it. But helping us do those great packs are our great friends at uh, War Games Atlantic, mm-hmm. um, uh, our friends Dark Castle Terrain, another great Australian supplier, um, and Eureka Miniatures as well are on board. And um, I think we've got one or two others who might be joining us before we get to January. Nice. Yeah, Drew has been toying with the idea of like a goodie bag almost when you walk in where everyone gets a pack. Uh, And the last couple of events that I've played in that he's run, he's done generous but smaller packs because it is not as big an event. Um, I am really looking forward to seeing what's in the CanCon goodie bag this year because it is a novel approach to it. But everyone gets really cool things in their bag, uh, and everyone starts the starts the day with a smile. I mean, who doesn't like getting a bag of cool stuff for playing some games? I mean, it's it's fantastic, and it means that everyone is walking out with a variety of cool swag. And we see it at different events, in, in like Adepticon, other places like that. That is a more common occurrence there. It'll be really cool to bring it to CanCon. So Drew is definitely on to a winner there, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's in those bags. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, there'll be prizes there for the winners of the event as well. So um, uh, everyone uh, will hopefully get something, and there will be certainly worth prizes worth playing for. Right on, man. Well, Pete, I'm sure I'm missing something. Um, as a TO, there are always the things that you want to make sure to get com- uh, communicated to players. Uh, particularly before the event, what have I neglected to ask you? What are what are some of the hot topics that you want people to know about CanCon twenty twenty four? Look, the main thing is um, I'm still in need of a couple of tables. Um, after I provided about ninety percent of the tables, I think to CanCon previously, but after retiring, I cleared out my uh, I cleared out my stash, so I'm still mm-hmm. looking for a couple more tables. If people coming along can help us out with that, that would be great. Um, and the uh, last thing I think worth talking about CanCon is uh, Conflict 47. CanCon is a many-day event, and Bolt Action's traditionally been two days. And then on the last day, sometimes it's been Conflict. I think it's only been Conflict once or twice. But more often than not, it's a Tank War event. So this year, you're bringing back the Conflict 47 third day so to speak uh, talk to us about that event so as you say when i run the event i've usually done a third day it has been a mix of tank wars and conflict 47 i think i've done tank wars three times and conflict 47 twice but i was really keen to bring back conflict 47 i know that warlords um looking at relaunching that which i hope is mm-hmm. not too far off and we've mm-hmm. been seeing lots of great models over the last 12 to 18 months so um I was just keen to see what people would throw down for a Conflict 47 game. And I've tried to um, uh, get an interesting game going because I've gone with a very different players pack this time. It's um, it's a 15 dice cap, which may not sound too unusual, uh, but it's um, 1500, uh, 1,500 points. Yeah, it's a lot of points. So I'm trying to force people to bring some of the big stompy things or big raily gunny things, um, Mm -hmm. which uh, you don't get to see very often. I know there are in collections in Australia, there's some really nice big robots and um, big guns. And uh, I hope we'll get to see a couple of those in uh, K47. Hell yeah. I mean, it would be a perfect opportunity for me to bring my Thor if I already didn't have a plane ticket. But yeah, it... Those big, you know, walkers can be really expensive point-wise, depending on how they're armed. But even then, it gives players the chance, if they don't have that, to bring that tiger, bring the tiger two, bring the IS three, bring something big and silly. Because in that game, there are some bigger ticket items that are a lot harder to get rid of, but are expensive 
points wise. And if you're encouraging people to do that, you kind of need the tools to deal with those. So you're you're mixing up the uh, the meta already. I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, there's some really great stuff in the K47 um, ranges, um, and not just in the K47 ranges too. There's like West Wing and a couple of other places that are um, Gaddis Gaming that are producing some really interesting, weird World War II stuff, and it's grown like hugely. The World War II options, well, weird World War II options since I um, last ran this event, and um, I'm hoping we'll. We, I think we've only got six players at the moment because I know it's tough to ask people to do a third day particularly like yourself if you're traveling interstate but i hope we'll get up somewhere at 10 or a dozen or so people and we'll just be able to throw down some um uh, big scary units and um i mean the thing about k47 even a unit of werewolves costs well over 100 points that's um, right so if each dice has got to cost you at least 100 points um it means hopefully we'll see some werewolves um not just a horde of zombies yeah exactly right although seeing a horde of zombies would be fun yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm happy to see a horde of zombies or two, but uh, uh, rather than seeing 20 hordes of zombies, perhaps one horde, of, one horde of zombies and a big Thor robot. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, the Finn list, too. I'm just thinking you could put a Thor in that, I think. All right. I can't go. I have my plane tickets. I have to get back to prepare my classroom, but I ugh, giving me bad ideas, Pete. Oh, um, and if people want to sign up for that, they go to the same place um, and they just buy a ticket for that as it is a separate event. So you, there's two options. You can either sign up for, well, there's technically three options. You can sign up just for two days of bolt action. You can sign up for three days of bolt action, which will include the K47 day, or mm -hmm. you can sign up just for the K47 day. Folks, if that's not the perfect opportunity for you to pause this podcast and go out and get yourself a ticket for CanCon 2024, Australia Day weekend in Canberra. I think that's the perfect time. Go do it right now. And I hope to see you there. Now, I have had quite a few people message. Am I going? Yes, I am there. Patch and I will be there. We will be sporting Ghost Army colors at least one of the days. You can find us there. And uh, please do come say hi. We would love to see you. Even if you're playing another game system, we still love you. Come on over, say hi. It's been a while since uh, since I've been publicly at uh, CanCon, so please do say hello. It would be nice to uh, say hi to all of you. And yes, that does mean you. Uh, but Pete, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, I know that I've been tripping over my tongue a little bit, and I've been a little overexcited to have a microphone in front of my face again, but I think that just proves that I do have something to say after all. Pete, thank you again for joining us, brother. It is always a pleasure having you on. It's always a joy coming on and chatting to you about bolt action and gaming in general. So um, I'm looking forward to catching up with you in person in January and uh, looking forward to when we next uh, chat over the pods. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Can't wait. All right, brother. I will see you in just a couple of weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, if I do not see you at CanCon, I hope that this podcast finds you well this holiday season. I know that uh, the holidays are always uh, a little interesting for all of us, but uh, I do wish you the very best and the happiest of New Year's. Cast Dice is back. We will be back with regular programming from this episode forward. Uh, if you have any requests for future podcasts, I actually have a long list from taking a break, going from a weekly show to no show for several months means that my to-do list is quite long, but I'm always looking for a good idea. So please do message the Cast Dice Facebook page. That is Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. Um, you're guaranteed a response by me, so please do write. And thank you to all the people who have been sending me all the wonderful Christmas gaming memes. They've been great. I've been sharing them. Love it. Until next time, I think we'll have to go with what our buddy Casey always says, which is when you are playing the games that we know and love. I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. And Merry Christmas. Good night.